To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you. So this week on Eastman's Elevated, we do the COVID-19 virtual hunting camp. <laughs> so um, usually on Skype, I keep it to three people just so everybody gets a chance to talk and there isn't much interrupting. And um, but, but all rules are out the window for this week's podcast. I got together a good group of friends and we just thought we'd have some laughs and tell some stories. And so I got everybody together. Now these are all really seasoned hunters. And so, you know, you get six guys together that are all seasoned hunters and great bow hunters. You tend to have a pretty interesting conversation. So we do a deep dive on some subjects that, um, you know, can't really be broke down by science. It's more bro science, but, uh, just a great conversation. And, and I love these guys. I love hunting with each and every one of these guys and, and all of them are just, uh, some of the best human beings on the planet. So, um, really fun to get together and talk to these guys. So let me introduce them real quick. So we've got Remy Warren on the podcast. Uh, we've got David Wise on the podcast. Uh, we've got Robin Keane on the podcast. Uh, Janus Padilla. We've got Sean Curran. And I'm your host, Brian Barney. Six total on the call. Uh, so we'll try it out and see if you guys like it. Uh, like I say, it's a it's a really interesting conversation. I sure enjoyed it. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. Uh, I also want to thank High Mountain Seasoning. High Mountain Seasoning, they put out the the best seasonings. They do everything to to prepare your wild game. So I use their jerky um, seasonings like crazy. They've got a bunch of different options, and I pretty much live off this jerky come hunting season. Uh, when I when I harvest an animal. Uh, I chop a bunch in jerky and run batches of it, season it with this high mountain seasoning, and it's just awesome come season. Uh, I'm about out. I've got a little bit left for bear season, but I'm going to have to get after it and going to have to arrow some critters and get some more jerky made here. But they have everything. Uh, you can get uh, everything from snack sticks to, to summer sausage. Uh, they even have steak marinades that you can get. Um, so they're just a great company. Make sure to check them out, High Mountain Seasonings. And with that, see, um, I've got that other podcast started up and rolling, that fly fishing podcast, having fun with that. Um, this week I have a couple awesome episodes. So I've got uh, Wesley White, a buddy of mine, uh, goes down to South America. And so we talk about the different species and fishing for them and this huge adventure hunt down in the Amazon for Dorado and just an awesome episode. So really psyched to release that. Uh, I've also, I'm also going to do a, a solo release this week, do a solo podcast. Spring fishing has been really good and uh, been tying into a few, so that's been fun. So make sure to check it out. Uh, it's over at Eastman's Flycast. And with that, um, boy, i got some great episodes coming up on the podcast. I'm super excited about it. Uh, bear season's just starting to kick off here, so it's been fun to get to the mountains and uh, starting to turn up a few, starting to get pretty exciting, and then tag results are coming out. Uh, it's just uh, it's like Christmas, You're just hoping for some good tags and some good hunts, so I'm applied all over. I can't wait to start 
uh, start planning out my fall and I'm already looking at maps and getting really excited about season training like a madman. Um, yeah, I'm just pumped. I got to sit down and do a, uh, uh, solo hunting podcast too. So I'll get that done this week, maybe a night after work or something like that. Release it out to you guys. Um, yeah, just about the current state of things and where I'm at and working hard towards my goals. I can't wait. I want to make it the best season ever. I know you guys do too. Uh, make sure to check out all our Eastman's properties, the Beyond the Grid, the Internet TV show. Um, check out uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. I've got some new episodes up there. And then we're starting to release some of my episodes on YouTube. Um, so I was just working with Lindsay, our our uh, video gal in there and she was going to release a 2016 elk hunt that i filmed on youtube so you can check that out um like i say check out that it's beyond the grid it's the internet tv show and with that i better get some work done so i can get out bear hunting this week um yeah let's get this thing rolling so again i'll try to introduce everybody try to We'll try not to talk over each other and then uh, give everybody a chance to talk. I think we did a pretty good job for six people on here. So Remy Warren, David Wise, Sean Curran, Robin Keane, Janus Padilla, and I'm your host, Brian Barney. This is Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Yeah, thanks a bunch for putting this all together, guys. Like, this will be fun. Like, at least we can all join in and have some laughs and tell some stories. Yeah, yeah. it's good to see you guys. Just just talking yeah. to you guys, that's all I really wanted to do. So this is an excuse to do it. Yeah, it's I like perfect. It. So um, we've got the whole crew from our last hunt that we put together. So um, from Nevada, uh, we got David Wise and we got Remy Warren. Um, looks like David stepped out for a minute, but thanks, Remy, for coming on. You've been keeping yourself busy, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, as busy as you can. Lots of catching up on office-type stuff, but I was actually sick for about nine days. I don't know if I had the Rona or what, but um, I was down and out for a while. Now I'm actually starting to feel okay. All right. Yeah, good for you on the recovery. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me with all the traveling you do. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. why I'm like, oh. Yeah, I had all the symptoms, so who knows? Yeah, I've just it's, been now. It's probably better to get it out of the way. Honestly, it looks like it's it's gonna hit everybody eventually. Jeez, that's yeah, what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. yeah, but then the other scary thing is like, what if that wasn't? <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh shit, maybe I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, the unknown, right? You still gotta take all these precautions and steps, right? To- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Brian, so, Brian, you got to get it before you turn uh, 40. I think your chances of dying go from 1 in 500 to 1 in 250. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you got like two weeks. You better hustle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's not good news. So your odds are down, Rob. You really got to uh, keep my... yourself safe. You're part of the elderly now, huh? Exactly. Yep. Dude, I put in for sheep tags with better odds, like better odds than that and expect to get it and, and uh, you know, or worse odds than that and <laughs> expect odds. to get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Isn't that the I truth? Literally just put in, <laughs> I literally just put in for a sheep tag that I looked, it was like, oh, one in 1,300? Yeah, definitely. And I'm like visualizing yeah. drawing that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. The odds of dying of corona are way better than drawing a sheep tag. That's scary. <laughs> Oh, that's Thanks, so Ryan. true. But yeah, also from Nevada, we got David Wise. He just joined in. Good to see you, David. Thanks for joining us on the call. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, congratulations on your recovery, man. Back to skiing. Back at it, man. Not uh, not quite as seamlessly as I used to, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to get there eventually. Oh, dude, I know you will. So mentally tough. Yeah, you're on your way. Getting there. <laughs> and then we've got uh, the three guys from Hawaii. So uh, we got Jay on the line. Jay, man, it's good to see you and talk to you. We've been texting back and forth. Uh, thanks a bunch for that fallow mount, dude. That thing turned out awesome. Yeah, is it holding up? I'm always, uh, you know, you never know how things are going to hold up after a year or two. <laughs> oh, man, they hold up good here in Montana. No, well, you don't cut any corners, man. It looks beautiful. It's a showpiece in my house. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was fun. I'm, I'm, uh, appreciate you letting me do that, man. Oh man, I, I know, I know that thing was a hammer. It was a trophy. Oh, such a hammer. Yeah, it looks so good in the office. Rob, looks like you've mine. been, you've been doing some hunting, huh? Yeah, uh, been getting out there. Um, Janice and Sean and I have been uh, doing some nighttime shooting, uh, feeding people on Maui, and then every once in a while I'll be able to grab the stick bow and get out there good for you i saw that like uh adding adding to your community or and helping out people that don't have venison uh you were dropping off packages it looked like you had a whole yeti full of that stuff yeah i've uh last week i think we distributed 300 pounds of ground venison so uh and i we're scheduled for monday i haven't told janice and sean but we're scheduled for monday to do another uh nighttime and uh, we'll go out and get as much as we can. Man, that's such a cool deal that you've put together. And so you're you're managing access populations, and then you're able to, to give the meat to the community, right? Yep, yep. Uh, originally, we were doing the food bank, but right now, there's such a high need within the community. We don't even need to go through that distribution channel. I can just go straight to people and, and get them what they need. Man, that's great. Good going, guys. That's awesome. That's so cool. Sean, you got a yeah. new little hunting yeah, partner in the house, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, congratulations, yeah. man. Thanks, yeah. Baby girl, she's doing awesome. Maya is her name. And yeah, we're blessed. Just, um, you know, staying home and hanging out with the fam. And everybody's healthy right now. So everything's going good. I'm just trying to figure out how to get the kids off the iPads and more in the backyard. You know, playing around would be awesome. But <laughs> if you guys got any tips or advice, I'm down to <laughs> sledgehammer works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to be on the iPad it. if it's broken. <laughs> Man, that's the yeah. truth. Um, yeah, it's a challenge right now. I sure feel bad for my girls. They've just had everything canceled from school to friends to you know, sports and uh, volleyball, and it just had everything canceled. But they're keeping a good attitude, and um, it's it's a good reason or a good excuse to get them out fishing with Dad. So, yeah, we, we've been uh, keeping ourselves busy out here. It's a good place to ride out the storm in Montana. There's not many people around. Right. Yeah. Is, uh, is Taylor a senior or junior this year? Taylor's a sophomore this year. Okay. So it's not her senior year and, like, missing out on that and – she, she at least has a couple more years of high school that hopefully we're out of this by then. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it's a wild time, isn't it? Let's hope, man. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, it wasn't too long ago we were we were hunting for mouflon sheep. Man, that was sure a fun hunt. One of my funnest of the year. 
there. Yeah, oh, yeah we need was... to do that again. Yeah. Remy, you like to pass giant rams, right? Yeah, I, I like to let the big ones walk and try to shoot small ones later on, but that's just how I like to do it, you know? You can't shoot the, you, you, yeah, you can't shoot the big ones if you um, shoot the big ones, you know? <laughs> Way to let them grow, right? And we appreciate yeah. that, Remy. That's right. Yeah. So Remy, on like the, the first day, we were hunting out there, and he passed a really good ram, and uh, yeah, you, you know, you're just never sure quite what you're looking at hunting new species and things and, and trying to judge them. And you thought, yeah, I let a pretty good one go. I maybe should have shot him. And then I remember you showed the guys the video and they said, heck yeah, you should have shot that one every day from Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the trouble was right before that, I saw a giant. So when you see those big ones, I'm just like, I have, I have, when I see something really good, I'm like, oh, okay, now I know what I'm after. And then it's right. like, you just see it 20 minutes before that. You're like, oh, okay, do I shoot this one? Well, uh, eh, let's see if we can get that big one. I don't know. I don't know why I do that, but it makes it fun, too. Uh, well, that you know? makes and then, sense. And then I haven't, it comes I haven't down to the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that makes but, sense. I do that same thing. If I can see a great big buck or a great big ram or whatever it is, and there's a possibility of me shooting, it's when I when I don't see a big one. That's when I usually kill the smaller ones. Yeah, exactly. But when you and I mean, I was actually glad I didn't shoot that one because I I got on some really good rams and got to see some cool stuff. And if I would have been done that first morning, I don't know. I mean, there's still plenty of stuff to do there, though. That's the that's the thing. There's so much to do. You could you could hunt deer, moos, whatever. A lot of a lot of options. Spear dive. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Every time we go, we always make plans to spear dive, and we just run out of time every time. Okay. You're up there in the baking heat. You're just looking out of the water and just like, you know, take a day off and go jump in the water. I know. Jay, Next you, were, time. you were Superman on that hunt, man. I think you got a 40-hour work weekend. You provided vehicles for us. And then you also uh, killed a giant ram out there and a muumuu. You did pretty good, huh? Yeah, I lucked out. It made it worth it. It was a bummer I had to work, but, you know, it kind of was a, I don't know, it was a silver lining. What did you hunt for, like, four minutes and shot a giant ram, and then yeah, maybe eight, eight minutes and shot a giant muumuu? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I wouldn't have went to work, I wouldn't have shot the ram, so I guess it was, uh, yeah, it all worked out. Just meant to be. Know. Yeah, I got my ass handed to me on for the deer hunt, though. That was a, <laughs> oh, that was a brutal hunt. Did you, you guys uh, just did the deer hunt? It was tough hunting? Yeah, well, Davis helped me track a buck for, what, two days that I shot, yeah, square in the yeah. shoulder. Yeah, you like to do that. I do. <laughs> Man, these things can be so tough, yeah. Uh, me and David sure had fun, like, the the end of that hunt. We sure chased some axes around and got humbled. God, those things are so good at getting out of the way of my arrow. Dude, they <laughs> are so sharp. Yeah, I don't know how you're supposed to. I was just talking to Sean about that, the, the whole the whole Houdini act that they play, you know, it still surprises me to this day. You know, you, you, you look at your bow and you look back at the deer and you wonder if that really happened or if you actually missed it. You know, you already know it dodged your arrow, but it's amazing how fast they are, you know. Man, that's the truth. What are you guys doing to combat that? Is it you find that like a fixed blade is or uh, uh, expandables are quieter than fixed blades and fletchings? 
it, it just seems like no matter – even having the quietest bow, it still seems like uh, half of them or at least a third of them are going to jump your string and get out of the way of your arrow no matter what you do. I think yeah, that's uh, true. No, no matter what I try, and I've tried all of that, I'll blame it on that. Yes, to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever? Have you guys ever? Has, has anyone ever hooked up like, uh, what is that? Uh, it's not a. Is a chronograph or some the the sound sensor? Have you ever put it like on the target when you shoot and actually listen to like what it sounds like from where you're shooting at? Oh, interesting. Yeah, no? I have, Jay. Like, I've sat downrange and had people shoot where I can sit behind something and listen, and the arrow yeah. sounds way different listening to it coming at you than it does firing from your bow. It's wild. And what you hear, what I hear when I sit downrange is I hear the thud of the bow going off, and then I hear a, a whistle right at, before the arrow gets there. So what the thud is your bow going off, and then you hear the whistle of the fletchings in the – the broadhead right before it hits the target, but I mean like milliseconds before it hits the target. But you hear the bow noise quite a bit before that, it seems. Right. I think that's what they jump from. You know, if there's any sound coming from your bow at all is what they what they hear. Yeah. From Yeah. From so the, jumping on that, I you know, I I've shot a few bows and I just try to shoot the quietest bow possible i don't care if it's the best or what but i just try to shoot the quietest one that i can shoot for that reason at the very beginning yeah Yeah, um to your point sean like you um like i had a little vibration last year when i was out there i think maybe those deer were hearing that i couldn't figure out where it was in my quiver i went through that thing every way from sunday and i finally figured out it was like some um some of the blades on my broadheads were a little loose and were vibrating in there. That was the sound I was getting. So a little bit of yep. super glue dab on those things, and now they don't rattle in there. And it was, it was just the certain broadheads I was using. But yeah, that bow noise is so important. You know, not only for axis, but antelope, which now you know we've all hunted on the podcast, and and then also mm-hmm. mule deer and, and whitetails are really good at jumping the string too. Yeah, that along with, like Jana said, the arrows, you know, certain fletchings um, sound louder going down downhill, I guess. And, um, you know, whatever for these access, whatever, I mean, I don't know, some are just crazy skitzy. Like I was hunting some three yearling does the other day and they literally had no clue I was there. 45 yards i crept up on him couldn't get any closer one's perfectly broadside i draw back my bow release my arrow and that thing was one to two steps out of my arrow's way before my arrow even got there 45 yards maybe even 40 i don't know something like that i was just like and i shoot a really quiet setup because of these freaking deer right (laughs) i was just blown away i'm like you gotta be kidding me and they're only like yearlings they weren't you know old does or mature bucks that you know <laughs> i was pretty blown away yeah that's so, the know, sometimes point. i feel like it's just the animal you know like i don't know yeah it's just I, the I've, animal. I've tried every setup and i mean yeah as quiet as you can get it but no matter what they're gonna hear it it's my goal lately and part of it was uh the whole target panic nonsense i went through the last year but get as close as i can because closer I am, the less time they have to react. And I, I've been working on my stocking skills more than anything else. 
Good for you. Isn't it a mindset, Rob? Like once you get in that mindset of getting close and killing them, you're just more effective, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. And and the room for error is way less. And, you know, I 60 yards used to be my go-to. Like I was in 60, I take the shot all day long and now I'm 30 and in. Yep. Man, That's wild Rami's how we progress. Right, Try to stop oh, yeah, as man. close as possible. Yeah, just get as close. Because if you think you can shoot it at sixty, you're gonna take a shot at sixty. Yep. But you're gonna stop stalking. It's like that's how, like, when I would start hunting with my recurve or whatever, you realize how close you can get to stuff, and it's like, all right. I even had a sleeping caribou. I was at thirty yards, and I decided to crawl into twenty. So I'm like, just get as close as possible. Now it heard me drawing back, but ran <laughs> but I mean it ran and I sh- I was at 20 yards. I could shoot it on the run at 20. I can't shoot it on the run at 30 probably. So you're like, all right, sweet, it works out. And with the axis deer, like I haven't had a lot jump, but it's like anything over that 35 yards tends to be harder. To, you know, those that's when they start to jump. So it's like I'd rather instead of blowing it, shooting at it, just blow it trying to get close. So I, like, mm-hmm. take my risk different places as opposed to take the risk of it jumping, take the risk of, all right, and even if they do jump at that range, like, my bow's fast enough, it's not even going to matter. Um, but I've also found, I don't know if you guys have found this, I I had, like, one bow that it seemed like I, I did everything to make it quiet and, and everything jumped the string with that bow. And then I have, a, like, I got a new bow and it was a little louder to my ears, but nothing has jumped the string with it. Like, it's just... And I think it has to do with, like, the type of vibration that your bow puts out. So just because you're making it quiet doesn't mean that um, that they jump it less. I don't know what it is. If it's, like, a short wavelength sound or a, or a long wavelength sound, you know, different sounds make different uh, travel different. And depending, just like radio waves and everything, like, the, the yeah, frequency that the sound's at. So if you yeah, find the right like frequency. Too. Yeah, it's like there's a certain frequency that, like, right now, the way that I've got my bows set up, it's the tinging and the other stuff isn't okay, but like a bow that's even louder sometimes, they don't jump. And it's like, I, I was kind of like, what? why is this bow to me louder? Like if I was shooting it in a shop, I'd be like, oh no, this is no good. But for some reason, that noise doesn't really bug them as much as other bows that I've had in the past that, that seem quieter to me that they jump on more. I don't know if anybody else has that experience. Dude, you guys are talking about, like, a Pandora's box, though, that you can open. <laughs> as soon as you start going down this path, because here we are, I mean, every single person in this chat, besides me, this is David speaking, is a much more experienced hunter than I am, and we're nobody's an expert on this. Everybody's like, everybody has something that's like, well, I think I do this, or I think I do that to make my, to make my bow quieter, but nobody's got any scientific evidence like, okay, this is exactly what you should do to make a bow quiet in terms of how the deer or the, uh, mouflon hear it, you know, or how, like whatever you're hunting, because Remy, I share that same experience. I, I went down, I went down this rabbit trail and made one of these bows. I mean, I, I silenced everything you could silence. I put a piece of rubber on everything that you could put a piece of rubber on and I had the quietest bow to my ears ever. It, it was like, it sounded like a recurve. It was just literally like, boom, when it went, when I would shoot. And so I thought I had this just aces set up. And I swear, man, I shot at four different mule deer. And like, I, I didn't even near miss any of them. It was just like one or two steps ahead, kind of like you were talking about, 
Rob, that just like the deer is gone. So for whatever reason, that bow wasn't right. So my uh, my life hack for anybody listening to this is if you get a bow that that the animals you're hunting with don't react to, just hang on to it. Like we all, we all Rob, like have Rob, this. You're not getting your bear back. <laughs> that, that bow has killed so many things, dude. We all have this natural like compulsion to look for the best new gear and what next. How can I add to my setup? But there is something to be said about finding a bow that the, that the animals don't react to as much as other ones and just sticking with it. Because yeah, like I said, it's not scientific enough. We don't know why. I don't know why. I have one bow that like. I've never had an animal even react like one deer I shot was head down drinking and the arrow hit him with his head still down drinking. Like it just, you know, I don't know why, but I'm gonna hang on to it for sure. Huh? Yeah. A lot of bro science around, isn't there? We all have our own <laughs> theories of what it does and what quiets it. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, but you're so right. Or you put like a, Put like a whistle on your arrow so that way they like they look at the arrow they watch it hit it so like <laughs> whistling you know so make, make it louder. Yeah, you guys are probably onto something. There's probably like a vibration like you're talking about that you could you know instead of trying to quiet it you make it actually sound like something because I knew they do that with boat engines they'll they'll sink the engines and there's a certain vibration that actually bring the fish in. Yeah, I wonder what bow are, are we shooting the same bow that they aren't reacting to, Dave? Like, because I that's what I was like. I got one bow that's just like nothing jumps the string to, and I'm like, I don't know why. It's no clue. Yeah, seems loud be. to me. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet, okay, cool. Well, let's just keep shooting it. I'll just keep uh, See, yeah. I just chalk it up to odds. Like hunting those antelope, I, I'm like one out of three is going to jump my string every single time. Mule deer, it's like one out of three, one out of four. Hopefully it's not that great big giant, but it might be. Like some of these animals are just jumpy, but I, I do know what you mean. It's like not consistent. I don't – not every animal jumps my string. Like it, it'll be one every once in a while or – or one every handful, but yeah, there's definitely something to it, more to it than we know for sure. I like what Jay is saying too, the the vibration of the boat, and it's just there, there's a, a electrical too, right, that a boat can put out that just draws in fish, where some boats catch way more fish than other boats. So yeah, there's yeah. some some, some uh, weird effects um, that are going on farther than my bro science can stretch. <laughs> yeah, I was well, when we were hunting. Oh. This is just like kind of strange, but uh, when I was in Australia the last time, like trucks, we were hunting water buffalo, and the trucks, we would drive, and like if you drove a truck anywhere, they would just start running away. But then a friend of mine was hunting somewhere else, and he had uh, like a ranger kind of thing, and the buffalo would run into that. So it's like they liked that sound. It was like the best way to hunt would just be like, Rev the engine on his Ranger, and they would run to it. It was so weird. I'd never seen that before. No, UTVs, for some reason, with the axis steer, they don't bump them like a normal vehicle will. And I don't know if they're used to it with ranchers or what, but they, they do not scare to the UTV sound. Hmm. That is odd. Think about those fallow deer we were hunting. Like, we pulled the truck up on the ridge, and they would just run. But yeah. Andrew could just rip around in his chopper and they give zero grabs. <laughs> 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 uh, 
there, there's no worse feeling than being in your vehicle too and like driving. Maybe you're you're changing location and you just come up over the rise and there's a great big bull standing there, a great big buck standing there, and you're trying to disappear in your truck and not move it at all. Sometimes it's smarter too to keep driving, drive all the way by right. him and then try to hunt back. But yeah, that's always a helpless feeling when you see something out of the vehicle like that. Yeah, or you slouch real low. Like, I know, so the animal right? can't see you in the truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was slouching in my chair telling you it. <laughs> like, they can't see you anyway. You're just going to hide behind the driver's seat. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. What am I doing? I'm retarded. A- antelope, for sure. You can't even slow down. You just keep driving. Get to the next, uh, get to where they can't see you. Then you jump out. But, Yeah. My first uh, mule deer that I ever got with my bow, this is this is right after Remy. So I got into hunting with a bow because of Remy, because he thought that archery would be good for me when I was stressed out and gave me a bow back in 2014. And I started shooting that summer and drew a mule deer tag in Nevada and went out and hunted and hunted my ass off all weekend long, went on probably 30 different stocks and was, you know, just obviously a terrible bow hunter because I was just getting into it. And we were kind of having the same situation where anytime we drive around on the quad or I even had a, a motorcycle, the, anything that hurt us within earshot would run away. But I noticed driving my diesel truck around that the deer did not seem to care about the diesel truck. So we, I basically had struck out for the weekend and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going home. And I was driving down to pick up my buddies who had gone for a hike in the diesel truck. And they're like up, up a couple hundred yards from the road is a group of bachelor bucks that I spotted with my naked eye. And I was like, you know what, man, these deer are used to ranching trucks driving around. So I literally left the truck running. I didn't even have my boots with me. I, they were back in camp and I was in like guy who just failed at hunting mode. You know, like I was like, I didn't, couldn't even find my release. I was barefoot. I left the truck barefoot, stocked in, you know, a couple hundred yards and as I'm drawing back, I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening. And hit the release, and that was my first year ever was with the truck running in my bare feet. So there's something to be said about That's awesome. The low thrum of a diesel engine. I don't know. Oh, you got to take the easy ones with the tough ones, and those opportunities can be tough to come by. And so when you create another opportunity or you get another stock, you just got to go all in and do the best you can with that opportunity. And it's amazing how sometimes those ones that uh, seem like the least likely to come together are the ones that you end up arrowing that giant buck or arrowing that first buck or whatever and get. And that's really cool, David. Yeah, it's kind of like the caribou, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. The caribou, you could drive right past them. <laughs> they have no no worries, no cares that you're in your truck driving right past them. Soon as you get out of your truck, they start running away. <laughs> like, what the heck? Man, some some of those animals get pretty wary. I noticed, um, like like some of those antelope where where we've all kind of hunted them around in those spots. They're used to getting hunted by ranch trucks, and so they see a ranch truck from three miles off, and they're taking off and going. But then there's other roads that get more traffic and more not main roads, but but yeah, main highways or main gravel roads that see more traffic. And those antelope get used to seeing those rigs. So then they won't run from your rig. They only stop or they only run when you stop your rig. <laughs> and so right, then you got to yeah, drive exactly. by and kind of hide and then you get to make a play or make a stock or whatever. And and not that 
you know, we're hunting all from vehicles. It's just the West is so big. You know, we use yeah. these vehicles to travel so much country and scout different country. And again, like you, you see an opportunity and he's on public ground. You got to make a try at him. And especially uh, antelope, they just live in, in, in so much like their country they live in is so vast. But yeah, we all had fun chasing uh, critters out, uh, out West this year. That was fun having you guys out. Yeah, hopefully it'll happen again this year. It's kind of up in the air right now. Boy, yeah, that's the truth. It's got to be over by September. <laughs> it yeah. has to. August, I don't care. September has to be done. <laughs> oh, I hope it's done by August. That's oh, my I, main I, season. <laughs> dude, I know. You know, a lot of, I wonder, a lot of people probably have a better chance of drawing this year, or at least like a little bit better chance of drawing. I wonder if there's a lot of people that you know, didn't apply because, you know, whether they're trying to save money or they're just kind of paranoid about the way the world is right now. But um, you might have a little bit better chance of drawing certain tags than you did, you know, last year or the year before. Oh, Janus. Or it could be the opposite. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Montana's done. No, I think you're spot on. Just, um, you know, everybody's finances and then the uncertainty for the future. Yeah, I think we got some good chances at drawing good tags. It'll just be my luck. I'll draw a sheep tag and then they're going to cancel hunting season this year. (laughs) It'd be the biggest letdown. Did you guys guys get the email from Colorado yesterday? The April Fool's? Oh. I got an email telling me that it wasn't real. That it it wasn't wasn't real. They had so many people calling their office because of April Fool's that they had to send an email out. And then I actually got a real one from the state of Alaska that our bear hunt is canceled in May. And so then I I had to, like, follow up and make sure that was real. I I think they reversed it today, Rob. I think I saw it, and I think because of all the uproar, they reversed it. So it was an April was Fool's based on the, the government of Alaska, the state of Alaska? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think they got so much backlash from it that they said, no, we're not canceling bear season. It's back on. April Fool's. Well, was it for uh, – is it canceled for non-residents though or just – I don't, I was just – I'm just curious. I'm asking. I don't know. Uh, is it canceled for everyone? Was, well, I know it was, it was canceled for everyone. Yeah, it was a blanket one. I don't know if they if non-residents or not. I kept my plane ticket and I haven't bought a tag, so um, I'll see where it's at in a month. Yeah. Right. Yep. I didn't yeah. read into yeah. it too much. I wouldn't be jumping on any flights anytime soon. That's for sure. No. Yeah. I know they they pretty much like I mean just like everything you know outfitting in Montana's pretty much closed down for the spring season right now. I think until I don't know, but I. They might, it might start again. I don't, I don't remember exactly the last email. It keeps everything changes so like hourly, and I just right. turn it all off. So I'm like, well, whatever. I'll figure it out when it happens. Man, that's the truth. It does change hourly, and and even my attitude towards things when we first heard about this um, COVID nineteen, it just didn't seem like that big a deal. It seemed like a a flu, and it was going to go through. But yeah, just everything keeps changing by the day, and more information, and yeah. It is just best to, to get away from it. I don't need to watch the news every single day to, to get the highlights on numbers or anything. Like you say, I get the main information, and I'll figure it out when it all works its way out. But there's no doubt things are going to get back to normal. It's just going to take a while. Yeah. Definitely. I yeah. hope so, man. And Remy's already <laughs> had it, so he's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a lot of people that I'm good to go. It. This is a bad yeah. flu season out here. Half the people or, on the island have probably already been sick. 
Well, that's just yeah. the deal. That thing was running through so early, and so many different sicknesses run through that, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that there was corona in the United States before the confirmed cases. Like, our testing just didn't catch up or wasn't as rigorous enough when somebody got sick, you know, that, yeah, there's, um, it definitely could have gone through early. There could have been a bunch of people that have already had it. You, uh, Sean, you remember Nikki that bought the, the hunt a couple years ago? Sean there? Oh, sorry. I went to the fridge to grab a beer. My bad. Remember uh, remember Nikki that bought the charity hunt a couple years ago? She's actually bought it twice. So she got uh, tested positive for it. And her husband and son, who live with her, don't have any symptoms whatsoever. And she's had it for two weeks. I think it's crazy. But I, I heard you it. don't have to have symptoms to necessarily be a carrier, though. Oh, yeah. But but two of the people in her family that she lives with, like, zero symptoms whatsoever. And it, like, passed a couple weeks? Yeah. it's. I think it's been, like, two and a half weeks that she's had yeah. it. Well, well, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Don't yeah, touch that's your face. I got a bunch of arrows built, that's for sure. A lot of projects around the house to work on. Um, we, we've we still been working construction as it's um, uh, it was classified as necessary. So we've got some construction projects going, but it's just tough to get supplies and then subs are shut down. So uh, I'm still able to pass the time with a little work and then um, book work. So I definitely don't have it as bad as some, but um, man, it, it is rough for the girls and for the family and for everybody involved, but there's nothing we can do but just ride this thing out, you know, have a good attitude yep. and um, hope, hope for a good August. Yep. Everybody yeah. man. better be really good at shooting your bow after this. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> that is the truth. Well, yeah, well, we had fun having you guys out here this year. Boy, we chased antelope and elk. Um Gosh, we got into some good bulls. That was some Man. some good hunting down there. I I think I had maybe the best hunt of my life. I was by myself. I split up from you and uh, you and Sean and and came back early to catch my flight and ran up to the spot that I shot my bull uh, two years before. Uh, I spotted a cow right before uh, right about five o'clock and ran up the hill and was surrounded by giant bulls um at least 300 class bulls and then one just megalodon swinging his dick around all over the place and i (laughs) i i i should have poked a 300 class bull but i really wanted to shoot that giant at that moment and uh ended up just the ran out of light on him but ultimate ultimate hunting Man, so. that's fun when you get into them like that, isn't it? That's what all the hard work is for. You go so many days not being into the party or not being into them, but it's so exciting like when you when you get into them and you're in those right moments. And um yeah, and then me and Sean, we we uh went there the next day and Sean ended up arrowing a bowl the next day. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty freaky horn bowl actually. Um when I uh <laughs> when we when we stumbled up on him, Brian, I only saw his one side, and it was just a straight sword coming out of his head. And I told Brian, oh, my God, I think I shot a spike bull. Is he legal? 
<laughs> and the other side had a five on it. And I was like, oh, my God. Because, I mean, there was plenty of light, you know, to see. But he was turned sideways and he had the dark timber, you know, kind of blocking him. So, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw the five by on his one side. But when we walked on him and I just saw that straight shank, I was like, oh, my God. Like, did I just shoot a spike? <laughs> That's pretty funny. But um, when I when I skull capped him, his his cranium was actually cracked in half and it grew together like a Klingon, you know, the Klingons from star Trek. Oh, wow. You know how they've got that ridge going down the middle of their forehead. That's exactly how his, his skull cap grew back together. So he must've like broke his, his skull fighting. I would imagine, huh? Probably Robin's big bully seen the day before. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, that was cool. And then, um, yeah, David, you made it to, to Montana. You had an antelope tag. It sounds like you chased a bunch of those around. I, I meant to hook up with you on that hunt. Uh, you were fairly close to where I was at, but sounds like you guys had some action. Sounds like you chased a bunch around. Oh, yeah, my stalking skills definitely got they got put through the ringer. They got sharpened, um, and I walked away humbled. Uh, <clears throat> I actually brought my filmer up, my filmer Justin, with me on that trip. Um, to document it and everything and it was his first time really tagging along for a hunt so we both learned some lessons there was one there was one antelope that i mean obviously after the fact i'd love to be able to blame it on justin that i didn't shoot it but had justin not overreacted and moved too much i for sure would have shot that one so it's all his (laughs) fault Um, (laughs) but all around man i had i had i had a blast and it was it was my first time uh, really spot and stock hunting antelope because I have I've set up some blinds and water holes for antelope before in the past. And, um, man, antelope are so fun. They're such cool creatures, and the respect that I gained for and for the antelope just from being able to come up there and hunt in Montana was was like doubled or tripled because I've hunted them with rifles in the past, and you always kind of think of them. For one thing, I think anybody who's hunted antelope know that they're pretty quirky like they have certain behaviors that they do that like really have no rhyme or reason to them we don't really like a lot of a lot of game animals are pretty logical you're like oh they're going over there to feed or they're going over there because that's where the ladies are or you know they like that type of they like the sun the way that the sun gets broken up on those rocks over there they're, they're kind of predictable antelope can be so unpredictable it makes it almost fun um but with a rifle you're kind of like ah these things are these things are almost a little dumb. Like they, they stand out in the open where we can obviously see them and we can hit them with a high, high powered rifle from really far away. But when you have to close that distance and get inside 50 yards with a bow, it makes you realize that why they have, why they've evolved to the way that they are is because their eyesight is so good and they're so fast that anything to them up until this point in history, nothing outside of 50 yards mattered to them because they're so dang fast. So I get, I just gained so much more respect for antelope having walked away, eat, eating tag soup on that one. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very appreciative to your home state. And, um, I look forward to coming up and, uh, chasing them with you this next time. Yeah, it's going to happen. Us too, David, me and James yeah. got so schooled <laughs> chasing antelope <laughs> the first time with Brian a couple <laughs> years ago. Oh my God. It was hilarious. 
We all do. We I were went just, three we were years. cranking each other the whole time. Yeah, no, I went three years before I killed my first one with my bow. It gives you a new respect when you try to get close to him with a bow and arrow and spot and stock. And I love what you said, David. It just improves your skill set so much. And, um, yeah, there's nothing that will humble you like an antelope. And, and just like Sean saying, we had so much fun the other – the a couple years ago – Rob didn't get an antelope tag. He got a deer and an elk tag. And Janus and Sean both got an antelope tag, and they ran themselves ragged trying to kill one of those things. <laughs> they'd hunt elk morning and night, and, and the whole middle of the day, they'd get in three to five stalks a day on antelope, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just dang near pull their hair out. I had close calls with, with both of you guys, you know, right with you and good stocks and those antelope just have a knack for making the right moves or catching you at the wrong time. But man, that's fun. I know you love hunting uh, antelope as well, Remy. You were up in this country last year in Montana. You come up every year hunting antelope. Oh yeah, no, that's it's. I think that that's like spot and stock antelope hunting is one of the most fun hunts you can do. And I just take it like, I just I just see it as just an absolute fun hunt. I don't think about anything else but just having a good time. But I've kind of got like this thing now where I I do like a one day hunt. So, and I've been like five years in a row. I've I've been successful in one day. So that's my thing is like I just start the day and by the end of the day I will kill an antelope. Like that's my goal. <laughs> that's impressive. Actually, that's yeah. really impressive. What, what's the but, secret, Remy? The secret first stock every buck you see. So I don't I I have no like there's no bucks I don't stock. Now it's super funny because. Most of the time, I shoot, like, the biggest buck I see that day. I don't know how it works out or whatever, but it, it works out pretty good. Some days, now I think I've, like, last year I, I tried, like, some new spots, but I think I, I started, like, a half a day, and then I shot it on the end of the one and a half days or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Stock every buck I see, and it's a lot of, like, getting to where they're at, like, advantageously super fast. And then crawling, crawling, crawling. Like I, I mean, I did, I did like a GPS thing, and I think I crawled like eleven miles one day. It was just like my body. I literally, I literally was like hurting so bad. I don't know if it was. It was just like, oh, like I'm in so much pain the next day, but it's just like a lot of crawling, you know. Like I, there's some crawls that I started like a mile out and just when they're bedded or whatever, just crawl, 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 crawl. Just don't be seen. That's the thing. You, you guys know? got those little I, cactus thorns out there too, and oh like all God. these little pricklies that they, you know, it's like a bunch of slivers. Yeah, dude. And then I, hunting, hunting terrain, like picking the terrain that's advantageous to you too. Just right. finding stuff that's like more broken. You know, definitely. I, I think know. that's that's definitely the key, because when we first started out, you know, we were thinking we could stock anything anywhere, anytime and got humbled real quick and was like, by the end of it, we we're like, OK, we need some topography. And yeah. Like you said, that helped huge. Yeah. They're not they're being super, seen. Right. Yeah. I think that their eyes are their literally their only defense. I mean, I've even. Right. At the wind, like the wind can swirl, and they're like, meh, you know. It's like, but if they see you, and they can see you from a long ways away, like I think most people blow the stock at like 400 yards. Mm, right. That's my, you know, like, it's like if you're blowing the stock at 400 yards, game over. Like you, like you just cannot be seen. But once yeah. you get into that close range, 
And then the other thing is, like, they can see they've got really good uh, peripheral vision. So they can almost see behind them. Right. So you kind of have to, like, really plan your your movements and when you're drawing. And, and you really, like, the other thing, covering up your optics when you're glassing, like, the sun hitting that, I just – that just – sends antelope running so fast like picking up those just all the little things that make you successful and it's like once you figure out that once you've got their number then it's not so hard i mean find it like bigger bucks it's hard to stock you know because you're just picking one but if you're just running and gunning um you know you can you can pick up a lot of because you can get 10 stocks in in a day so you're like sweet by the 10th one you've learned something you know <laughs> so fun <laughs> have you have you ever noticed uh, rangefinders and the red and the rangefinders animals picking that up inside. Well, I I don't know. I shield like my rangefinder and everything. Even your rangefinder, you shield. Yeah, because I was hunting axis deer in low light and told, hadn't moved anything in ten minutes, and all I did was range, and the minute I hit the button, eyes were on me and. Afterwards, I, I looked through my rangefinder and hit the button, and you could see the red glowing through it in that low light. And I, I don't know. It's the first time I experienced that or even thought about that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really had any problems Yeah, you with showed that. it to me, Rob, and I was kind of tripping out on it, too. I was like, wow, you can fully see the red dot glaring out of the rangefinder on low light. Well, Where, what, hunt, what hunt was that? Was that Mouflon or was that Axis? I don't know. I can't remember, but... You showed it to me, and I was yeah. yeah, I was kind of blown away too. Was it on like the brightest setting still, or would you did you dim it down? Mm. I think it was the actual retina, the actual infrared light that, or the laser, right? The laser. No, yeah. no, uh, I don't think it was. Interior light. I think it was the interior light. Yeah, oh, Remy oh, really? might, might be right. It might have been on a, like a high setting in low light. Yeah, because the, the loophole, the like the R, the one thousands have that in there. They're real bright. Yeah, yeah I always like. I'm kind of anal about the light in the rangefinder, not for necessarily animals seeing it, but messing up my eyesight. Like, so it like every morning I turn it down to the lowest setting, and then as the day gets on, I change the setting constantly. That's actually one feature I wish they would change on a rangefinder is just having it easier to change the brightness setting because you. Got, you use it a lot more than I think the manufacturers think you do. Sure. Because it's yeah. just like it's, it's it's like a four it's like a really long process to change and so frustrating. Yeah, I don't even touch the mode on the rangefinder. If I hit it, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Turned it to meters. I have I have missed something because my rangefinder actually got changed to meters and the angle compensation was turned off. It was just a double whammy. I think in the end it was like eleven yards off. <laughs> oh, no. I missed an antelope because I had it on the setting where it can go through like grass or what, what do they call that? Yeah, yeah. Last target Arts. priority. Yeah. Last target or something like that. So I was trying to range the antelopes um, perfectly broadside at like 40 yards in front of the bush. And this was with Brian and it kept ranging through the bush and hitting the backside. And, and I ended up shooting it for 50, which is what the range finder told me. And it went right over that antelope's back. And I felt so bad because I mean, it was a stock that took two to three hours. I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, Brian, you really, one, Brian? Uh, 
You really like you played chauffeur on that one, man. When we were all stalking, I felt bad. You were just running around in circles trying to <laughs> to find us some antelope. Oh, you just want to see your buddies be successful, you know. You're just trying to to create opportunities. The same thing I'd be doing on my own hunt. I was just lucky enough to arrow one before you guys got there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a blast hunting with you guys. And and you're right. It's like like Rob's rangefinder, the red in it. Uh, like Remy shielding the the glass so they don't get their glare. Uh, anything you do wrong, antelope will highlight that, and they they will pick you apart. Like you even think about bringing your head over over the grass to look at it or get a range, and they see you. You know, right there, they got you. And um, even through a bush, yeah, through a bush, through the... just any movement, they just don't let you get away with anything. Um, but I, I do like what Remy was saying about the terrain you find them in, that more broken terrain. And, Sean, you agreed right away with that because you killed your antelope in broken terrain. And, and um, it was really evident, like, this year hunting coos deer, me and Dan went down, and we got in just the best spot to hunt coos. They were rutting like crazy. We were seeing 10 to 15 bucks a day, but they were big rolling hills, and we were just getting busted. And I, I almost killed a coos buck the year before in this spot, but it was so good I couldn't leave it because we were just getting two to three stocks a day, but we were never getting close and we never fired an arrow. And after four days of this, I was like, finally, I told Dan, I said, we just need a change. We just got to change something up. And we went to more broken terrain, different spot, and got in there. And then instantly, you know, Dan missed one at 50 yards and we're getting close and making things happen. There's so much to the terrain where you find them at, and especially these really tough-to-harvest species, which it seems like everything's tough with a bow. But it just seems like the more broken terrain you can find them in, the better your odds are at being successful and surprising it. And then it comes down to the moment of truth, those last few moves of exposing yourself and getting your bow drawn – I see so many things fall apart right in those zones where if you can move slow or if you can keep that element of surprise, it seems like you can get an arrow off. But there, there's just so much to it from start to finish. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. every animal kind of seems to have its own, like, you know, they either got really good eyes or really good nose or really good ears. Like when we were in the tar country, you know, they, you could knock rocks off right above them and those things were like – they don't run away, but if they see you, they're gone, you know, and the same with, same with mouflon, like hunting mouflon was kind of real similar to, uh, to antelope, it seemed like their eye, their eyesight anyway, but, um, I don't know. Yeah, what, that's a similarity I noticed for sure between when I came down and hunted the island with you guys is that the mouflon acted a lot like the antelope in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways for sure. I don't know what would be your preference as far as like what uh what senses are are better what animal you rather hunt or how you which one you hunt better the dumb ones <laughs> <laughs> I, I go for the blind ones the, the, the blind and injured ones the ones with the broken legs my, my two biggest bucks i'm looking at them right now and both of them one of them the biggest one i ever shot has buck shot all through his face and a mangled face and the second biggest one has a bullet hole through his nose that had both healed over. So they were both wounded animals that had lived through that. <laughs> so I, I go for the wounded ones. 
<laughs> yeah, my biggest tar was that one, that blind, blind in one eye. <laughs> that I couldn't yeah. kill? Yeah. That, that, I, that I missed twice, eight hours before you killed him? Yeah. Uh, yeah I was still uh, with that one. I think it was a toad. Uh, it was. I uh, unfortunately, I lost the horns to that one. No, uh, really? Yeah. No. Such a bummer. Yeah. Were well, you going to go back down this year, Remy? And they got canceled? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, right now, today, I was supposed to be hunting red stag in Argentina. And, oh, my God. Mm. Uh, and I was so pumped. And I was actually uh, maybe going to hunt some black buck as well. There's, like, some free-range black buck down there, which those things look so cool. And I've never hunted yeah. black bucks. It's like, okay, that would be awesome um, to yeah, chase gotta... red. And, like, the roar is going on right now, and it's just, like, perfect time. Um, I had it all lined out some good like a good piece that i could hunt that had like great deer and everything and i was just so excited about it and yeah i was supposed to leave uh my flight obviously was gonna leave uh this this week it left monday morning but there's they've shut the country down have you heard about there's some guys i think they got stuck down there yeah a couple Um, of my buddies are down there they got stuck down there like oh i guess they gotta hunt that sounds great (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that wish they were stuck somewhere they could hunt right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. True. And there's people just, like, stuck in, like, rant. One of my guides is stuck in the Philippines. I don't know if I'd want to be stuck Ooh. there. Oh, <laughs> bruh, that's gnarly. They just gave the, all the cops, like, license to kill. Yeah. Oh, no. They were, like, putting people in dog cages and stuff. Dude, it's heavy <laughs> down there. I was, wa- I was watching the YouTube video. It was like, I will tell them to kill. boy yeah you could be trapped in some worse places that's for sure um yeah it's just good we're all at our houses so yeah uh there's so much travel that goes on it'd be real easy to to be stuck in a place like that and then with the mandatory quarantines or no flying in and out yeah you'd be stuck down there you'd have to just ride it out down in a different country yeah i mean i actually was i was supposed to be down there right when they shut the borders down. But um, I changed my plans to do a speaking thing at the um, Pope and Young convention, which got canceled. But um, that saved my bacon. But I actually found out, uh, I don't know if you have that, you guys travel a lot too, so that global rescue stuff, uh, it was mm-hmm. like insurance yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I guess they would have they would have evac'd you out of there if you had that insurance. No really? shit. Yeah. Yeah, they've done like 500 COVID-related um, evacs, is what I've heard. No way! That's I've crazy. I've got the I've got the cheap one. Which one do you have, Remy? Now, now you're making I, uh, <laughs> no, I, I I do like the year-long full evacuation security everything, but um, I think you can do like I've done just like the trip-based one, and it, yeah. it it works with if you're in a hundred miles of you have to be a hundred miles away from where you live, but I don't know. I mean, I was like, "Dang!" Now, now hearing that, there's no way I wouldn't go on a trip without it now. Yeah, like a. So if, you, a, if you're a hundred miles a away from where you live, they'll Which, they'll yeah. evacuate for free. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, it's part. It's just essentially insurance. It's like travel insurance, but they kind of target it toward hunters, adventurers, whatever you know, like people that go to crazy places too. Because they, I, I, I got it when I went to Kyrgyzstan cause they have like a, a military style evacuation as well in case you need it. Um, right. and, 
Okay, but I found drink, drink some uh, goat milk or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I, I wonder if any of that, because you know, I mean, you guys all have the Delorme or the, sorry, I keep calling them Delorme's, the inreaches and stuff. Uh, you know, you get that like insurance on that. It's very similar kind of thing. So I don't know if that Geos one would do it too, but. Um, no, yeah, when it comes to that like, sort of thing, you want like, you want the best of the best. I mean, if you're in yeah. that situation, you're going to going to thank the Jesus you have for uh, something. Somebody let you Yeah, it's the added package they offer, I believe, right? They offer, like, three packages, and I think, yeah, yeah. that's the one you're talking about, the, probably the premiere. Yeah, so I don't know. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, you kind of don't think about it, but then you hear something like that, and you're like, damn. That's um, worth it. If you're stuck in who knows where for however long, that could be really, I mean, that could be life-threatening in some cases. True. You, know, you have no supplies. You're in a third world country, and you're like, "What? What am I gonna do now?" That's yeah. a good point. I think it's only like another fifty or hundred bucks too. I mean, yeah, definitely not. worth it. Yeah, I, I think I pay 117 a year. Rings a bell. Yeah. For mine. Yeah. Yeah, worth it. Smart. Now, now, now I'm gonna look at the policy. Now yeah. they brought it They'll up. They'll probably change it now too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I think that's the whole like. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I, I, everything I'm dealing with in the real estate world is pandemic, epidemic. They're all excluded in these insurance policies. Nobody's covered with this right now. Really? Um, oh man. So <clears throat> yeah. Those those insurances. Um... They have a they have a way of writing those policies. That's for sure. It's, man, they that's sure too do. bad. So none of none of these insurances cover an epidemic or a pandemic. And really, if you look at the definition of that, um, heck, it doesn't even have to be as bad as COVID nineteen to be one of those. That's crazy. Yeah the the thing the argument right now and and there will be lawsuits nationwide. There already have been some filed, but. The arguments are because of government shutdown. It's not necessarily pandemic e- epidemic anymore, and and that's where some companies may prevail against the insurance companies. But it's flat out written in the policies I've read that they're excluded. Hmm. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Huh. Well, we get twelve hundred bucks. That'll it'll solve all our problems. <laughs> <laughs> well if all this does get said and done goes away you know hopefully god willing um let's talk about some up-and-coming hunts that guys got planned mm-hmm. brian you got anything uh special you got going on this next year man i haven't really drawn anything yet i just canceled an Most... odd ad trip i was supposed to fly out today um, oh really yeah, but um, yeah, I'm just gonna see what I'm gonna draw. Like uh, Jay was saying, I think there's gonna be some pretty good odds this year, and uh, I'm pretty aggressive with my application. So yeah, looking at getting in some early season mule deer and uh, some good elk hunts and antelope and all the good stuff out west here. I don't really have any big plans to travel, but um, I know Dan Picard was shooting around, uh, going up and trying to put together a caribou hunt for Beyond the Grid. So. Um, I don't know, we're kind of shooting around that idea, but just kind of the standard stuff, see what I draw, see what happens. But what I'm most excited for is uh, Spring Bear opens up April 15th, and it's two months with my bow and arrow spot and stock. They're my local mountains, so uh, they can't shut it off to me. I mean, I guess they could, 
but but really just a little gas in my rig and um, about every evening I can be looking for a big bore so really looking forward to that and then um, yeah if everything goes right hopefully come out and meet you guys again in August and um, try to put together a mouflon hunt out there but we'll just see how things go nice yeah yeah Sean you got some big hunts coming up yeah yeah I got lucky got some close friends in alaska invited me to do a moose hunt this year pretty excited about um so yeah kind of putting all my my cards in the hat for that one me and robin tried she's what was it rob about six or seven years ago and we were <laughs> unsuccessful but we had tough weather man we were weathered in for a few days before we could even fly out anywhere um so i'm gonna give it another go around i think um, rob and janus are gonna go back and chase elk and then I'll try this moose thing, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we can all get out again and chase some moose and caribou in the future oh, together. Yeah, yeah Rob yeah. and Jay, you guys gonna come out to Montana, huh? Hopefully, um, we, hopefully, uh, hopefully we you did draw Idaho that too. special tag too. Yeah, if uh, if Janus had uh, bought his points the last couple of years, <laughs> we probably would have. But uh, when we when we logged in, he not only bought his license last year just to buy points he, he paid all the money and then just didn't click on the button or what i didn't click on the button dude. i'm like all right all kinds of points and i look on there i had like one <laughs> i had to call him just to make sure uh, every every we'll system see. is different too you know you never know you have to you have to dang near be a lawyer and read through all the regulations to make sure you get put in everywhere you know, I, I've definitely messed up some applications in my day, so I don't laugh too hard at you, Jay. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you probably make money doing that. Do like, uh, you know, support somebody like a consultant. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, or just you know, you just tell somebody to do it. Like you get a bunch of people and you fill out all their forms and you make sure they sign up for what they want. And, you know, you don't even need to think about it. Just you just get your tag in the mail if you draw. I mean, the thing I don't get with Montana is who doesn't want their preference or bonus point, right? Right. So to have an actual, I think it's a box you have to check or something to confirm that you want that point is pretty crazy. It is kind of a scam. I think it's a scam. But what do I know? Yeah. Well, we bought that or, you know. Yeah, we we have Idaho tags in our pockets, Brian. So that that may be our go-to depending on Montana. Nice. Yeah, I know Remy was talking about belly crawling for those antelope. I I killed that good bull and had to belly crawl so far last year. I was so blown up for the next two days from belly crawling out in that sage out there. But yeah, I had a good time out there. Um, yeah, it'll oh, be yeah. fun. Such a nice bull. Yeah, it was a such great a nice bull. bull. Yeah, yep. it was a super one. So much fun. Um, yeah. David, what do you got coming up? Uh, you've been applying here and there. You're going to come back out to Montana and hunt antelope. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm kind of planning. Well, I was planning before all this craziness came down the pipeline, uh, a big road trip style hunting adventure. Uh, so I'm still planning on moving forward with that. I, I'm kind of in the same place as you. I haven't drawn anything spectacular in terms of tags, thus far on everything I've applied for. But, um, man, this hunting thing has, has settled into such a deep addiction where now I have backup plans in all the states that touch my own state. Uh, <laughs> so I can, 
even if I don't draw anything, I can still do these over the counter hunts, uh, sort of in all the places that I can, can get to by car. So, uh, certainly Montana antelope, uh, anybody who's known me for very long will know that, um, if anything, I, I'm not that hardworking. I just have a quitting problem. I like, I, people are like, Oh, you're so hardworking. It's not really that I'm that hardworking. It's just that I cannot give up. Like I, I can't give up on something that I haven't pulled off. So, um, yeah, I definitely have some redemption to get with Montana antelope. I'm, I'm excited to sh- use that to sharpen my skills again this year. And, um, a couple, a couple early season mule deer hunts, like you're talking about, definitely going to be chasing elk during September. Um, and just kind of fingers crossed, hoping I draw something big. Um, yeah, my, my hunting budget is a little bit more limited this year. All of my, uh, all of my, you know, passion project money comes from contest winnings so if i have a really good year on skis i'm like all right i'm gonna be able to get out go do some more hunting this year uh but i didn't have that i had the recovery year so i'm 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 pleased that i was able to get any podiums but um certainly didn't break the bank uh contest wise so i can't adventure quite as much as i wanted to i was thinking about going up to alaska this year and stuff and that's probably out but um i don't know i'm i may I have a tendency to say that I'm not going to do that much hunting. And then, uh, the closer it gets and the, and the itchier my trigger finger gets, the more hunting I end up walking into it when the time comes. So yeah, looking forward to it. Man. Awesome. Remy, I'm always amazed at all the different places you go. Um, what's still on the books for you this season or what's coming up? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the spring bear season as well. Um, I've got some guiding I'm going to do at the end of the season, but up till then, you know, everything's been canceled for me. Uh, so I've got a lot of time in the spring now to like, you know, hunt the bear season a little bit longer. Um, I actually think I'm going to do some Turkey hunting this year. It's like one of those things that I just never really that into. Cause I always found better stuff to do. Um, but now I'm like, yeah, sounds fun. You know, something you haven't done for a while. And, I don't know, so I might if it, as long as nothing's closed or whatever, I'll probably do a they little say bit. Say it's like elk hunting, right? Just like elk, yeah, it's right? exactly <laughs> like elk hunting. Because um, okay, I I was thinking about that the other day, and it's like you know what turkey hunting's a lot like hunting free range chickens because <laughs> you just were like, oh, right, you're gonna make and then mad. like and then you make make the it's like it's exactly like. Calling chickens in Hawaii, you know. It's exactly Rob knows so. all about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. You know what? Like elk hunting, and then it and then it cracks me up that like people that hunt red deer a lot, like red stag. It's like they ask me if they haven't hunted elk. They're like, "Hey, is it very close to? Is elk hunting and red deer hunting like similar? Is there any similarities?" Like. They're a little confused if there's any similarities. And these are two animals that can breed together. Like, they can cross. <laughs> people that hunt turkeys are like, so, oh, no, it's just like hunting elk. <laughs> like, yep, it is. Disagree uh, with them. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, and then this fall, man, I've got, like, one, uh, my big plan is to go hunt sheep in Canada, uh, stone sheep. So I've got oh. that all lined up to go leaving july like the end of july so and season starts august 1st they're gonna go in a little quite a bit earlier and scout it out um and stuff and do all that 
uh, and try to hopefully camp out on some stuff and get a bow hunt them. So I've got that planned. And that's one thing that I'm like, man, I hope that borders start opening up because I, that would just really, really suck if I couldn't yeah. do that. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then I've kind of just kind of playing some of the draw game, but because I have that going, I didn't really, I mean, some of the stuff that I normally apply for, I just kind of, I'm not going to apply for, for that August time. Cause uh, I'm going with a friend of mine, Dustin Rowe, who's got an outfitting business up there and he, he's got a lot of time that we can take. So we can hunt maybe even 20 days or something on that hunt. So I'm not really planning anything else around that time. I'm uh, just going to give that a go. And then I, I might go hunt caribou in Alaska. Um, and then I'll probably just roll straight into guiding after that and just do my Montana tags and whatever, you know, unless I draw something crazy. But right. I'm kind of trying to do some stuff for a lot of things and then that are in that September, October, whatever. And then, but I, if you guys are all coming to Montana, I'll hunt because I decided to not do as much archery guiding in September this year. And I think some of the guys with everything that's going on kind of canceled and I didn't really want to rebook it. So I, I've got some friends from Australia coming over, um, or a friend from Australia coming over, uh, to hunt. So I'm just gonna, I'm actually gonna hunt september montana elk myself this year i'll help them out but if they tag out then i'll probably hunt a little bit myself so yeah. if you guys are around and yeah do a big sure. party set, yeah it's super cool to meet up there everybody janus yeah. and i took the month of september off perfect i'm yeah we're all in the same boat i got i picked up my idaho tags and i've got my you know I'm, i'll get my montana tags or whatever too so hopefully um so yeah, oh, that'll be fun. Oh man, yeah. be a riot! Yeah, we got to share a camp together, uh, share a mountain somewhere. Yeah, that'd be a riot. Um, good on you too, Stone Sheep with a bow and arrow. Yeah, that's got to be like a lifetime hunt for you putting that together, Remy. It sounds like you've got oh, yeah. it going with the right group of guys, and I-, I love how you cater these hunts, like the way you line these up with with Dustin and with your buddies that you work to. I mean, nobody gets to go hunt stone sheep for 20 days up there. That's wild, man. But that's that's what it takes with the bow and arrow too, is to give yourself enough days. So, good on you, man. You you got uh, you got more to lose than all of us for sure. Yeah, we need to get this corona over with to get you on your sheep hunt. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Like I, I'm working on a cure over here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I got it, and I'm fine. It involves a lot of shooting a bow. Like if, if you go, you shoot your bow, you, it cures it. If you, um, you know, uh, cr- drinking Corona Premium actually yeah, cures yeah. it. I think it's there's all kinds of special cures. You know, well, great. You and crockpotting shanks, right? Can you get yeah, it cro- again? Yeah. Can you get like the coronavirus twice? I don't know. I hope not. I, maybe. If you get, I think it's if you, unknown right now. Yeah, because if you get it once, I mean, you're pretty much Superman. You can go wherever you want. Unless it mutates. Unless it mutates. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think like they should be able to test your blood and then give you like a badge. It's like, have it or haven't had it. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you can just go anywhere. Yeah. Do anything. Like, he's already had it. Let him in. You know, <laughs> yeah, like give, give a little bit of blood. You can kind of like help some people out. You know, I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. Keep working on it. Yeah, we need to have a hunting season this year. So yeah, find that antidote. Yep. 
I mean, I'm still working. Get your stuff done. Get ahead so that because it's gonna be people are gonna be busy after this. So there's gonna be like there's gonna be good surfing, good hunting. Things will be, I think, a little bit empty for a couple months after it gets back to normal. Yeah. Get that's ahead. the other. That's the other thing for me is if it does go till August and I haven't actually really been at work and then all of a sudden I'm taking September off. Ouch. He, yeah. It needs. This thing needs to end in the next month and a half. You might take September off, and then you'll have to come guide for me through November, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then stay in my wall tent and tend the horses through January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got some construction work you can mix and match. <laughs> you might not be. Are you, you might not shut be down, going. Brian? No, we're actually not. Um, no, my jobs haven't really fallen through. I haven't. I don't have a whole bunch lined up. I was actually planning on starting my personal house, and so now with everything, I've got everything lined up and ready to pull the trigger on it. But I've got another house that I'm getting the footings in and can kind of make wages over there and keep the guys busy. And so I'll just kind of see how this all plays out. I. Uh, during the last recession, I built a spec house and sold it. It was great timing, and so I just don't want to do that twice, where I've got my house for sale during a recession. So, um, right. yeah, I'm just kind of wait and see and uh, may create my own work and have to do my place. You know, I know there's value in it. I know it's going to come back. And, heck, if anything, I think all these people from the cities want to move to a place like Ennis, Montana. So it, 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 it might be a good time to do that. But, yeah, we're doing okay. We're still kind of working away. Um, limited, losing some days here and there. And then, uh, of course, the podcast, you know, able to work away from the house. So, yeah, we're doing okay. We're doing fine. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Much respect to the people living a subsistence lifestyle. That's for sure during these times. Yeah. They're loving it. And the doomsday preppers are loving it, too. (laughs) Sitting there smiling at everybody. (laughs) Smiling. (laughs) <laughs> they are. that's true and a shout out but, to all the people you know battling the front lines of this you know oh, we appreciate oh my everyone gosh. yeah we joke okay. around but it is so serious in some of those cities and um gosh it's so serious just like it makes you evaluate your own family and i can't imagine it going through my house with my girls and then the the older people that I have contact with, my dad and Holly's mom, and you can't really cut those people out of your life or quarantine them out, at least not at this point. If it keeps getting worse, you know, we, we may have to limit contact to them. But, yeah, just trying to keep everybody healthy and safe and um, trying not to infect the town. I'd hate to be the guy that brought corona at Annis, Montana, too, and infected the God, whole town. Right. So, yeah, just trying to not overreact but also not underreact and be smart, you know cancel trips and things but um yeah we'll get through it we'll get back to normal life but i um i had so much fun with you guys last year in lanai so i thought we'd go around we can just do some closing thoughts and and do maybe a a a story if you want to talk about a story but yeah i had so much fun with you guys last year like hunting those mouflon sheep was just a riot and you hawaii guys really treated us you've you've hunted them before and done that hunt lined up you know, houses and rigs and things. Um, man, it was just a riot hunting so hard day in, day out. Um, you just put in so many miles. You go crazy trying to kill those mouflon. And it's weird. Those herds just seem to kind of migrate through places. Like there's not always a, 
a, a sheep on every road or every spot. And sometimes you go back the next day and the whole herd's moved off and they're somewhere else. But, um, man, yeah, I mean, from I, being lost on those lava roads with you guys, like out there in the dark trying to figure out our way back to the house and, um, and, and then going for it down in those cliffs down in there and those mouflon, God, they're such beautiful animals too. The, um, the, the white and brown coloration and they're smaller, and then the the ram's horns, and then they were rutting so hard last year, which all which isn't always the timing. You guys can have really tough hunting out there, and numbers are down, and nothing's what it used to be. But for some reason, we just got we got uh, our timing was on last year. We got good karma, and it came through. And man, we had such good action, all of us. It's just so much fun. So I can't wait to put it back together and uh, try to do it again this year. Hopefully it comes through. And then I'm super excited about this prospect of uh, getting everybody together in this Montana, Idaho. Um, and tags are still out there, David. We'll have to talk after the podcast. But it'd be super fun yeah. to share a big camp like that. Everybody splits up in teams every day. Um, I had such a riot hunting hunt Montana with you guys last year and years prior. So, yeah, I just uh, hope to many more and getting back to a normal lifestyle. But, um yeah, you have until the twenty third, I think, Brian, to, to fill to fill out your app. Okay, I'm still trying David, to get David, my you, account. Is it not working? Uh, I filled out all the information. <laughs> I haven't heard back. I'll give them another day, and then I'll. Call Dude, they're them like or shut down over here too, so I don't I'm even sure. know if you can call them. Yeah. Um, I think you just got to create a new one, Brian. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'll get through and be able to create one, but um. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Closing thoughts, closing story. What do you got for us? Um, yeah, no, that sounds exciting, dude. It's uh, good to see you guys. Good to talk to you guys. I know it's been a minute, but uh, I just want to get through all this and um, get ready for September. It'd be fun to see everybody up in uh, Montana, Idaho, like you said. But um, if not, come out here beforehand. You guys are always welcome. Um, go online and fill out your uh, fill out the forms if you can by the twenty third, and then. Uh, Next year, deer. I mean, it was super fun. There was a there was giants out there, so I would I would recommend archery deer for you guys too, because it's been two years I think shut down for buck. So get and out here. There were here. some giants. There was I some shot giants. I shot a giant square in the shoulder. There's some giants. God, I Rob, gotta get Rob in on that. Rob, Rob found someone's flip phone, an old Casio. <laughs> It's been shit on and pissed on and the thing just looked like hell. I brought it home and plugged it in and the thing fired right up and I called the guy and it was tripping. <laughs> they lost like six years ago. Awesome. Jesus and I were <clears throat> belly crawling deep in Kiavi looking for my buck. I mean, we we're, we're what, three miles deep into just belly crawling through Kiave and there's that a flip visual. phone like it's so crazy man and and then to have it work yeah and the guy had a picture of a buck on it too i think he shot a buck i I gotta (laughs) say i gotta send it to him i've been meaning to send it back to him but yeah that was pretty cool but yeah good to see you guys man my phone's almost dead yeah really good to see you (laughs) sean closing thoughts um you know just wish the best for everyone out there on this up and coming season and uh hoping everybody stays healthy through all this and uh you know hunting will always be there in the future it's just take care of us and our family for now and um yeah 
I'm pretty excited to try to get a redemption shot at uh, big giant Alaskan moose, Yukon moose. Um, definitely going to be putting in the the work, uh, training and and lifting and. You know, I know you don't want to shoot one of those too far away, so definitely be doing some squats and some power cleans and, you know, try, trying to pretend I got a 125-pound leg on my back, um, and hopefully that, that you know, happens in, you know, September. But uh, if not, it's still going to be a blast, and, you know, I just enjoy – I really enjoy spending, um, you know, uh, time in the field with other people, Um I think it's kind of a progression, you know, in the earlier stages, it was kind of about shooting, you know, animals and, and, you know, what you got under your belt. But man, I'll tell you, I have way more fun hunting with other people than my own success. Um, and I just want to keep that, uh, that rolling in the future. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. It's all about family and friends. Um, David closing thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I just want to, just in talking to you guys all at once, I'm just reflecting on the fact that um, that Hawaii hunt last year was really pretty early for me in my recovery. I had shattered my femur and it was kind of midsummer. I shattered my femur in the spring. And I look back on some of the footage that I took while I was down there and how bad I was limping around while I was walking. And I didn't even notice that though, because chasing after the move was so fun and you guys made it such a good experience. So, uh, you know, I think there'll come a time when I'll look back on that with tears in my eyes and be like, you guys kept me alive because, uh, I was, I was about to lose my mind on the recovery, but I, because I had a, you know, because I had a target in sight, I was able to go out there and, um, I kind of amazed some people with how quickly I recovered. And I think part of that was just the miles I spent walking around those lava rocks. <laughs> Without yeah, a see, doubt. I see, I see David running up top, and then I see this guy down below. David's like limping along, trying, and there's this guy hoofing it down below, him, like 200 <laughs> yards, like just trying to pass him. And I don't know, that kind of made me mad. <laughs> made me a little <laughs> mad, too. He's, let me tell you, he's, he's not going to catch me this year, whoever that was. There's no way, right? <laughs> <laughs> I went for a run yes, just yesterday, and I, and I was literally thinking about that. I was like, you know, I was, I was looked, I looked down at my watch and I was at a nine mile, nine minute mile pace. And I was like, that's not good enough. Got to break, got to take it down to eight 30. I'm not getting out walked by anybody. this year. <laughs> uh, good for you. I'm so happy for your recovery and, uh, see you on those skis again. I know, um, that's your first love and, uh, yeah, excited to, to meet up with you this hunting season, whether it's in Hawaii and Montana, wherever it is. But yeah, just wish you the Let's best. It. It's been fun to follow along your recovery and just your, your, your discipline and dedication to getting yourself better and, and getting your body back to, to this prime state. It, it's been, um, it's been really fun to be a part of and watch. So yeah, man, just so happy for you. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. Rob, closing thoughts? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I texted you, Brian. I, I just wanted to talk to all you guys uh, again because I had so much fun on Lanai and hunting camp. And uh, it's as Sean said, it's not about the kill. It's about hanging out with you guys and learning new things and learning about hunting and bouncing stuff off each other and just laughing and having fun. Uh, part of my closing thoughts, though, I do want to apologize to David because 
him and I, he was, we met up, what, eight o'clock at night, dark, hiking out, and he's limping around. I'm like, dude, throw your bow on your back. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I've never <laughs> done that, that before. And he throws, so he throws his bow on his backpack, and we're hiking out, and he looks at me, he's like, my bow just got de-stringed. Like, what? <laughs> my bow just got de-stringed. And he, it got de-strung because I told him to put it on his back. And uh, <laughs> that night, we're, we're in hunting camp trying to figure out how to restring his bow with ratchet straps and everything else. And I, I had to walk away because it was scary as all get out what you guys are trying to do. <laughs> oh, man, that was as ghetto of a, of a bow press as it gets. We had, we had two ratchet straps. Two sets of ratchet straps so that we had a ratchet on each side of the bow. And uh, I basically had to crank. I could only crank. I couldn't crank both ratchets simultaneously. I had to crank one at a time. So you'd crank one one click and the cams would turn and would lean one way. And then you'd crank the other side. And it was like, I mean, I thought it was going to explode at any moment. But we got the strings back on and I smoked a move on the next day. So it was all worth it. But that was definitely an experience. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to apologize for you to you because it was my fault that happened, and it was because you were limping, and but you were fine. I mean, you'd spent all day in the field that day and probably put on twelve miles in lava. But to me, I'm like, dude, you're six months out of a major surgery, not knowing what kind of animal you are. But yeah, I apologize. <laughs> oh, all good. All is forgiven. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, we got. Uh couple hour process no bow press or anything trying to figure out how to get those strings back on but that's a uh, david you weren't going to quit you were going to get that bow restrung back up and then shot a mouflon the next day with it after being destrung that is wild <laughs> epic it that really is remy closing thoughts yeah uh that was that was a really fun trip and i think i was thinking about it today uh because i'm actually just about going to eat some um, access deer that I got uh, from was that I might might have been that same trip but just earlier before we went over there so I'm stoked on that got that fired up right now I actually almost forgot that we were talking so it must have been subconscious because my alarm went off and I was like oh shit <laughs> just like left my food and ran upstairs <laughs> and just so you guys know those headphones that I was looking for that whole time I just found just now so it's perfect <laughs> Remy's ready to podcast everyone <laughs> yeah I'm ready we can we can start we can get fired up now uh, no but yeah just um, it's, it's great to talk to you guys and you know I think for a lot of people or myself included, you know, it's like, you don't realize, I feel like you, you feel like you do like so much off on your own or whatever. And then when you can't really go and see people and do whatever you want, you feel kind of like isolated and di distance, but I'm, I'm glad we got time to, to chat and it's always fun hanging out with you guys and hunting together. So that's what something I'm really looking forward to is just, you know, those, those experiences that we're going to have in the future and it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it, guys, taking time and jumping on the recording. So uh, this is really cool for me. So uh, we'll catch up with all you guys soon. Yeah, Brian, I just want to add one thing, too, man. I, I really appreciate you and uh, David and Remy for just being, like, really positive influences in the hunting community. Because, man, I'll tell you, you guys, you, you just keep doing what you're doing because you guys are shining a bright light and a lot of people are – following 
and uh, yeah. Yeah, appreciate so you guys. See it. Yeah, appreciate yeah, you too. Yeah, thanks. Okay, yeah, guys. Tell your fat. Tell your families aloha. We'll do. All right. Aloha. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Yeah, super fun conversation. Um, just fun to get together with buddies and joke around and laugh and talk about hunting season. My most meaningful relationships or my most meaningful friendships are just based around the things that I love to do. I love to have, you know, an adventure and then to share it with somebody is the icing on the cake. So, uh, I love all these guys. They're all great human beings and great hunters. So thanks to those guys for taking the time and being on. I really enjoyed it. I also want to thank our sponsors for the show. So I want to thank uh, Mountain Archery Fest. Again, they're shuffling some dates around, but they're going to make these events happen. Uh, it's just an awesome event. Uh, you can get 15% off to put in the, the, the promo code ELEVATE15. It'll also get you a digital subscription to EHJ and EBJ for the first 2,000 people that register. So awesome event. Um, like I said, I love shooting these 3D events. And I just want Mountain Archery Fest to succeed as well. Um, they do such a great job setting up all these courses, lining it up with resorts. And it's really, you know, it's an entire weekend of, of events and, um, there's competitions involved. And so I just want them to survive. And so, uh, I'm definitely going to support them on that Idaho event and go shoot that one. And, um, yeah, four events around, they, they're just doing a great job. So, uh, make sure to give them some support and, uh, thanks to those guys for, for supporting the podcast. I also want to thank High Mountain Seasonings. Um, man, they've been with me here at the podcast for a bit now, and I just really appreciate their support. I use them each and every year. I use their steak marinades. I use their jerky seasonings. Uh, they make snack stick seasonings, summer sausage seasonings. Uh, they, they've just got a whole bunch of products for, for seasoning and cooking wild game, and, and a Along with that, also, you know, beef and pork and anything else. So um, make sure to check them out, High Mountain Seasonings. And um, with that, make sure to check out this this other podcast, hoping that I can, um, yeah, build a following over there. Uh, my other love is fly fishing. So uh, I hunt a bunch. I also fly fish a bunch, live around a bunch of good rivers, and I love these adventure adventure trips fly fishing and so uh this week is a great episode i've got wesley white on talks about peacock bass dorado which just looks so fun sometimes i think the brown trout that i'm fishing for is kind of like dorado just these giant brown trout sitting in the stream and when they hit an aggressive streamer it's just an explosion of gold and then out of the water you're just in for a great fight it's just awesome but uh, yeah, make sure to check out this podcast. Uh, so you got to check it out. It's uh, Eastman's Flycast. Just search it wherever you get podcasts, wherever you get this podcast. You can find it and uh, subscribe, rate, or review. It really helps me out. And uh, also appreciate the support for this podcast. Man, I'm just uh, I'm humbled to make this thing go. Uh, just absolutely love bow hunting, love bow hunting adventure. I uh, love sharing it with you guys. I love having these in-depth conversations with other like-minded and other great hunters. And um, it, it's definitely improved my game, and uh, hopefully it's improved yours as well and given you some good entertainment. So, um, yeah, if you like the podcast, uh, give me a, a rating or a review on iTunes. The rating, hit the star on the far right. That'll give me a five-star rating. That really helps out. And then the reviews help out. It's 
it um, it it shows the, the the size of your podcast and also the following of your podcast, so it helps pushes you through all the algorithms or whatever. So, um, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you guys downloading these episodes, listening in. Appreciate the support on on um, IG, and uh, man, I just can't wait for hunting season and and uh, to get after it again. I mean, we got bear season right now, so it's just starting to get exciting around here. Starting to see a few grasses starting to pop, so uh, looking to go hard here for the next six weeks and see if I can't arrow a big bear. So hope you guys are doing well, and the, the lockdown is a crazy time. Uh, just ready for all this stuff to be over with, and I say I'm fortunate where I'm at where um, still enjoy the mountains and the rivers and still get some work done, but I uh, definitely feel bad for everybody else out there, gushing cities and, and things of that nature. So my heart goes out. Hope you guys are doing well. That's the podcast. I'll check in with you guys next week.